Hello and welcome to World Shop, the podcast where we build worlds based off the roll of a 20 set of die. I'm Jordan. And I'm Cody. After a week of nothing because my power died for a full 24 hours, we are back. <laughs> and we're ready to go and finally do this um, second episode of our audio drama stuff. But first, Cody, what have you been up to? Well, Jordan, like, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. And I just, I don't oh, no. want you to get mad at me, is the main thing. Grand Theft Auto Online? Well, yeah, I mean, a little bit. Honestly, that's starting to have well, then troubles. What's going ma- what's gonna to make me mad is what I'm trying to figure out. So you know how last Thursday you were like, hey, Cody, look, we probably can't do the podcast. And I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to make plans if, um, if, if we can't. And you're like, yeah, we yeah. can't. And I'm like, okay, great. So I'm going to, and then you were like, and hey, you know, we could. And then afterwards the power came on. Yeah, and, and I was like, well, I kind of already made plans. So do you want to do you want to know what I did on Thursday instead of No, please a tell me. What did you do on Thursday? I watched Cats. Wait, so you so you passed up on doing this podcast so you could watch a bunch of people in skin-tight cat CGI frolic and touch themselves and sing really weird songs for a solid two and a half hours. Yeah, I watched Cats. Um which like I don't hate you. I'm not mad at you because it has been like slowly trying to drag me in, but I don't like I do it. I don't want to ever watch that movie. Have you ever seen the original one? Like the film stage I production? Told you, well, we talked about this on one of the episodes Holden was on that the commercials for the original one literally gave me nightmares as a kid. Yeah, it is scary, right? I couldn't like, I'm not bring the only myself one. to watch it. It literally it was a waking nightmare for me. Okay, well, my wife says Cats is great, and I don't 100% disagree with her. But okay, so original Cats is weird. But here's the thing about original (laughs) Cats. Everyone that was in that show believed in it. They all acted the heck out of being cats and made you believe that they were invested. The new Cats movie, okay, there's the obvious CGI issues, right? It looks terrible. So, yeah, everybody believed in it. They have to go to cat school, blah, blah, blah. So what was the point? New Cats obviously had CGI issues, right? And also, it was the most commercial bullcrap ever that they just hired a bunch of famous people in so that they could make a nightmare product of a movie and still make millions of dollars. I think at a point that they were just like, okay, this is a nightmare, but if we make it even more nightmarish, then people will buy the tickets because they'll be so blown away by how absolutely frightening this movie is that they'll still go. So you're, you're honing in on a little bit of the problem. <laughs> the problem with it was, okay, so beyond the CGI, they got their budget cut at some point, and you can only make CGI as good as you can throw money at it. And there were parts of it where the CG looked good. There were scenes that looked cool. And then there were scenes where they didn't finish it yet. And those are distracting, but whatever. Going beyond that, half or more of the cast could not sing, including some people who I That's thought were the same were thing singers. that happened to Les Mis. Yeah. Well, and with Les Mis, someone else I was Russell telling you- Russell critically destroyed that movie with his horrible singing. Voice. Yeah. And like the thing to me with like Russell Crowe not being able to sing in something like Les Mis is it's, it's a brutal scene and like a miserable place where people are kind of yelling at each other live on set. So the singing being bad almost fits. 
With cats, it's meant to be bombastic and big and like fun and crazy. And everyone was so boring other than Taylor Swift and the railroad cat. I think named Skimbleshanks. Yes, his name is Skimbleshanks. Like, Judy Dench can't sing. She had to sing the whole end of that movie, and it was terrible. She can't sing, and it's not her fault that she can't sing. It's the movie's fault for casting Judy Dench in a musical. Idris Elba can't sing. He's a great actor. He cannot sing. And he also can't dance, and you can really tell. Um, Rebel Wilson, I thought could sing. She can't, apparently. And it's just... Is, is it Jason... Is Jason Derulo in it? Yes, yeah, Jason is that Derulo. The yes. He's a singer, right? Yes, he is a singer. Not for cats! Oh my gosh! Like... His character is meant to be like this super seductive, cool cat. That song, like most of the cast, like 80% of the cast could hit all the notes and say all the words. And that is as far as they got. There was zero performance. It is, I'm hitting the notes and we're going home. Which makes it feel like you're watching a high school perform cats. Because that's what happens in high school, is you get everyone just to the point where it's like, all right, guys, most of you guys are hitting all the notes. Good enough. That's all we're doing. That's what Cats did. And then intercut in the middle of songs, characters will make fun of Cats the musical because they don't even believe in their own musical. And that's what I hate when movies do that, when they make fun of their own ideas. Like, don't you believe... In what you are trying to pitch. It's like, it seems just so cynical when they like specifically put in certain actors just to sell an idea. It's like, you clearly don't believe in your idea. Yeah. And they did save money. If you didn't cast idiots and you actually casted people based on skill level and not just because they have a big name. Yeah. And, and that is, that is absolutely true. And they definitely just cast named people like that is, absolutely what they did is they're just like okay we're gonna you know just try to get big names in here that can seem impressive fine but this is why i'm happy that hollywood is collapsing right now (laughs) they deserve to burn but the result of it yeah it's just such a black lives matter sorry It's just it such. Is, it's just like such a lackluster performance from everyone. And then when you watch the original musical, like even if you don't like it, everyone that's in it is very skilled at what they do. They are doing cats really well. Maybe you don't yeah, like they have cats. To go to cat school. Well, and that's right. not a joke. That's a thing that exists. It is. It is. And there's a lot of thought put into the choreography of acting like cats, and that's great. But. It, to me, it's like one of those things where I did not like Cats, the original musical, but I can recognize that it is doing a great job at being Cats, the musical. This is doing a terrible job at being Cats, the musical. Even if it was just a soundtrack with no visuals, they couldn't even get that right. And they added songs and they added a plot well, that didn't make sense. To, that's what they do to every musical movie is they add songs. And I'm so tired. I'm just so tired of just reproduced stuff that just doesn't like they lose the point and I'm yeah. just so tired of it. And there's like remakes to me that are good and like revisits yeah, like to That's huh? a joke. keep going. There's like revisits to subject matter that I think does it justice and is understands what it's based on. But wow. Yeah. Like ghost of the show. Well, eh. I was joking. Keep going. Well, you know, we standalone complex is good, well, and it's no, technically a remake. I was talking about the Scar, Scar Joe movie. Anyway, I, I know, I know what you were talking about. Um, but yeah, that's 
That's the most recent thing that I've been into. So what have you been what have you been into lately, Jordan? Well, because of sort of things that I'm not going to talk about on the show, I've been into a lot, Cody. I've been into so much and I can't stop. Um, so I guess big I guess one of the big highlights since it's like coming out soon is this Sonic the Hedgehog movie we just watched. Honestly, I thought it was fine. No. Did you watch the newest Sonic the Hedgehog movie? Yeah, I thought it was fine. It's a kids movie, definitely Why? like very because I wanted to see it and they remade the graphics because the fans complained. And I felt like I had to support that because they finally listened to nerds when nerds were like, this sucks. And they're like, okay, fine, we'll redesign it. And they listened and I felt like I had to watch it. And I watched it and I thought it was fine. Maybe I'll watch it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're not going to like it because you're Cody. You hate everything. But I it, like it, Detective it's Pikachu. Aimed, it's definitely aimed at a younger generation. It's just supposed to be fun and dumb. It is, and it does exactly that. It's fun and it's stupid. And I, I enjoyed it. And then we did, we went to a drive-in movie double feature. So we saw Sonic and we also saw the new oh. um, Jumanji movie, which I also thought was fun. It, oh, again, no. Just, was it, though? Was it actually it was, fun? It's fun to watch with my girlfriend, and I enjoy doing that. <laughs> I think what I'm finding out more and, and see, more... And, and see these things, I don't think they're good, per se, but it was a lot of fun to like watch with my girlfriend. It's very easy to find out that a lot of things are fun in good company. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and that's that's what I think. It's because I enjoyed sitting in the car and watching this movie with my girlfriend. I think it was good because we both got to laugh and just have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I understand and that, that. I think that's... A drive-in, like, and also, I haven't been to a drive-in since George of the Jungle. Um, I think the last time I went to a drive-in <laughs> was with Mandy's family, and we watched The Life of Pets. Oh, Secret Life of Pets? Yes, The Secret Life of Pets. Yeah. So I haven't been to a drive-in movie for 23 years. Uh, I think it's been probably three for me it was before graham was born but mandy may have been pregnant it's been close to 23 years that i the last movie i saw at the drive-in yeah no but i thought it i thought it was really cool and really fun when you were in high school did you not go to drive-in movies ever no there was one kind of nearby you know where you went to college i think we, I we talked about it but i don't think we ever did it yeah a couple of times in high school me and some friends went it was yeah that's fun oh yeah yeah it would have been like really close to where we went to college Yup. Because Cody stayed where, <laughs> where he lived. <laughs> Free tuition's appealing. <laughs> it is. Um, but yeah, no, it's just, I, I enjoyed those two movies. And then outside of that, I've been reading in, yeah, just reading a lot of diff books, comic books, graphic novels. Um, The one that I just finished today, like I specifically finished so I could talk about it a little bit today, was the um, Image Comics um, Descender which I didn't realize was mostly setting up the second one, Ascender. But, you know... <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like a Metallica name for something. It was. It's a Space Odyssey one. I thought it was really cool. I think they did a really good job with the characterization. They, it's definitely one of those where you could tell that they run that they ran out of time to create their story, and then it kind of they just kind of had to end it. And it felt like that, but like overall, it was really cool space odyssey. Um, so pretty much what happens is that in like the distant future in these different planets and whatever galaxy, um, like there's 
humans and machines coexist, but then out of nowhere, these machines called the harvesters come and they destroy a lot of the human technology and kill a lot of humans. And so because of that, humans go against the robots and start um, basically calling the robots, killing them all for revenge. And then the robots also create their own like society and are like pretty much terrorists against the humans trying to fight for their own freedom. And then there's like all this politics stuff, but they find out like the start of the comics is they find out that a specific robot that was created to be like a companion bot for um, humans was um, has the same data bank as the robots, the harvesters that came and destroyed everything. So they're trying to figure out why that is and find that robot so that they can like stop the harvesters as they're called from coming back again. And it's just like this huge adventure between them. Cause the robot wakes up after being in slum for 10 years and just wants to find his brother, who was the person he was supposed to be a companion for. And it's just this whole big thing that happens. And yeah. What you know, what's funny. Um, do you remember how like a week ago or two weeks ago, I like described like outlaws wanted the, the RPG that I'm running for wandering yeah. network. And it's like, it's one of those things, trying to explain sci-fi, I feel like just always sounds so bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> like, once it, you, like, say it out loud, see, like, but in the, the thing context. Your outlaws won it, you described a lot of it, and it was a lot of, like, pretty much like the Starboard story that I have been writing, and it's like, oh, huh. Well, and, you know, I, it's funny, I, I can't remember who else I talked, oh, okay, so yesterday, we, like, or two days ago, we played through, like, some of the more plot rel- salient points of what I told you about, <laughs> and... Words. It's like the the name originally of Outlaws Wanted was Galactic Pulp because it's meant to be like very pulpy, pulpy and yeah. based on tropes. So it's like, yeah, I mean, like a lot of the stuff that I'm doing is very tropey. It just still makes me laugh anytime you have to describe sci-fi out loud. You're like, you're like, then the brain robots come down. It's like, uh, especially like Space Odyssey sci-fi is always bonkers banana, like always. Yeah. But I I really just enjoyed Descender. It had a lot of melancholy, and we've talked in length about how i really like melancholy and yeah so i finished that i have finished lock and key previously i'm starting monstrous i actually have that book that you talked about last episode the every other door i'll probably finish that in a day because it's only what like 120 pages yeah it's a really fast read it's it's like i got it and it's like so tiny so i'll probably finish that in a day or so because i'm an adult who can read really fast um but yeah yeah, just kind of Burning through a lot of readings. What up? Oh, no, Jordan. I forgot the other thing. What? Unless there's something else really important you want to talk just, about. I have one other go, thing. Just go, because you always do this. What's up? Jordan, I watched the Artemis Fowl movie. Did you ever read Wait, Artemis Fowl? Wait, is it out Fowl? already? Yeah, I thought it wasn't Disney coming Plus. out till next year. Disney Plus, it's out. Okay, how was it, dude? Did you read the Artemis Fowl books? I read two of them, yeah. Okay, so we... You know, it's really funny. Like, a bunch Bunkers of people are age... Sci-fi fantasy. Well, yeah, a bunch of people our age have read like half of Artemis Fowl because like we all kind of got too old for the series. Yeah, because it came out, I think, when we were what, fifth grade or so. And then, yeah, and then yeah, we, we started getting out. too old for fairies and stuff at that point. It was eventually I got too old for Artemis as a character. Yeah, because he's a child. It was a train wreck. It, it's worth watching just so you can be like. Why did any of this, did they do any part of, they like you know, put it 
they were like pushing it to make it look like it was going to be really cool. He's, I mean, this, this is the character though. He's wearing sunglasses and a suit, walking like all swaggery and stuff. They, they just any part of Artemis Fowl's character that was cool in the book is gone. So they didn't do a good job. <laughs> no, no. And I like don't want to spoil it for you now, knowing that you've read like the first two Artemis Fowls, like. Read a synopsis of Artemis Fowl 1 just to refresh your memory because it's probably been like a decade and a half since you've read it. Um, I think, what, sixth grade? So Yeah. And then, then no, go ahead no, and no, watch like it. Fourth grade. Okay, 2001 is when it came out. I probably read it a couple years afterwards. Uh, well, I read it when the third one came out. When did that come out? Yeah, this is it. Okay, and the third one came out 2003. 2003, I would have been 12. So, yeah, about fifth and sixth grade. Yeah, so... Read, read a synopsis and then give that movie a watch and just in sixth grade i would have been 12 um that was t- 16 years ago yep decade and a half i'm about right yeah um shoot dude that's a long time that's been a long time since i read that book yeah well and it's it's funny because it's like i kind of i'll say this the movie coming out and being terrible like kind of brought up a bunch of nostalgia for me you know <laughs> Because it, it was a book that I liked. I really loved the first. I think I read four of them, maybe three of them. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And so then kind of going back and remembering that story, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, it was actually kind of cool. And everything that I liked about it, they ruined. <laughs> like, everything. They. Lo- like, I'm looking oh. at the trailer right now. This looks like the most, like, Disneyed up movie I've ever seen. Like they. That's like, part Disney'd of the problem. the crap out of it. But I don't know. I just don't know why they made some of the changes that they made because they were not beneficial. But I, I almost I, I kind of like want to talk with you about this next week once you see it. You think I'm going to watch it this week? Just dude, because man, I have a lot of time on my hands now? You think I'm going to watch this movie? Fun, you think, hey, dude. this is really bad. You should watch it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to watch the Joker so we can finally talk about that from like five months ago. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, but this would be fun. <laughs> Uh, no, I honestly, I don't want to watch. You literally just told me it's bad. I don't want to keep watching bad movies just so we can talk about them. Oh, but sometimes, sometimes looking at a dumpster fire is fun. Oh, Jesus. It looks so Disney'd. Like, I have no problem with Disney. Disney has created a lot of good stuff, but I don't think current Disney is doing the best of jobs, especially with their live action stuff. Looking at you, Aladdin. Looking at you, Lion King. But Mandalorian. I have not watched the Mandalorian, Cody. But anyways, we got to get to our show, speaking of. Uh, Yeah. I'm excited. Nailed it. Oh, I am extremely excited. So what was last week, Cody? You should be able to do this because it's a thing. Last week, we did a world shop about worlds that we want to make in a radio drama. And this week, we are talking about characters and setting. Yeah. So last week, I mean, in my... um, like whole thing i do kind of a recap of what i talked about um do you do that or do you want to give a quick recap of world um uh, when, when, when i start yeah I can when we roll talk for of, it i can we'll, lead into it yeah okay so yeah we're um working on our new project which is an audio drama world so yeah so yeah at the very least the world on the fly but we'll just come up with something after off air okay so let's go ahead and roll for initiative oh i'd probably go in first again i rolled a 15 I rolled 17. Dang, why do I keep losing this initiative? I kind of wanted to go first. Also, want to do a quick shout out. I am rolling with my brand new Howlite dice, and I also have a brand new Lapis Lazuli dice that I got online because I'm Ooh. bougie. 
<laughs> so, all right, so I'm going to go into my world. I'm really excited for this episode because last week we both came out swinging, and I really think this is going to be a it's going to be a tough decision between the two worlds, at least from what I'm doing. I really like my idea. I'm really, really into this whole idea of the audio drama. And I'm ready to see what you have brought to me as I bring, I too. I bring my, I, I'm bringing my best foot, dude. It's forward. It's all the way forward. <laughs> okay, so here we go. Um, this is the narrator again, talking about the setting and the characters. Oh, welcome back. It's every author's dream to captivate a captive audience with their stories of the unreal. Whether you meant to or not, you are giving me the chance to truly shine. So please, lean in and listen to my story. The Weirdos versus the House of Many Doors. Last week, I left you off with some of the boring exposition that describes the town of Westerton. Westerton is a small town in Ohio that is ever-growing. It is split into North and South, Old versus New, Quaint versus commercial. The South is the original old part of town, while the North is the new part that is growing and expanding every day. Westerton isn't just the suburban home of hardworking people, it is also the host of paranormal events and monsters. There have been rumors of sly monsters, werewolves, and even vampires. But not like your broken pretty boy Edward Cullen vampires. No, we are talking about blood-starved horror monster vampires. Because of the Darkly family's missteps with magic, portals to many different planes have been opening up all around Westerton, allowing monsters to come through and terrorize the town. But throughout the many years, agents of the Darkly family have been fighting to keep the town safe and these monsters secret. They converted their old beautiful mansion into a house of many doors, one that holds portals to each of the different worldly planes. After defeating a monster, a member of the Darkly family will take it to the House of Many Doors and toss the monster in, hoping to never see it again. But, because of the changing times, the Darkly family is down to one last monster-fighting heir, Elizabeth Rose Darkly. But I'll get to her story soon enough. Our story takes place during the spring of 2019, right as school is wrapping up for the year. The small three-member supernatural enthusiast club, the Weirdos, have been investigating something big. With the new age of technology and everyone with basically a supercomputer in their hands, there have been more reports of the supernatural. But what stands out to the weirdos even more are the pictures of the red-headed girl in the skull mask. She is almost as mysterious as the supernatural events. She shows up every time something happens, but yet her involvement in these events is currently unknown. The weirdos have narrowed it down to three options. She is either a paranormal investigator just like them, an evil supernatural witch causing these events, or some sort of Buffy the Vampire-esque hunter. The weirdos have changed... Sorry, what? Uh, that... Anyways, if I raise my hand, it just means I want to interrupt you, but I don't want to interrupt you, interrupt you. Um, can you tell me, like, what the weirdos... Are the weirdos those three teenagers, and they're, like, they, like... Their hobby is paranormal investigating? Yes. Okay. So you didn't need to interrupt me because I literally was just like, I already said it. I was just going to get right back into it. But yeah. Oh, okay. No, no, no. That was fine. I just wanted to clarify that because it was a question I had from last time. Yeah. Yeah. What those three teenagers were. Yeah, okay. The no, weirdos I'm sorry. Are the th this is like they started their own club in high school where they investigate paranormal and they'll meet at the high school and they talk and like talk about this paranormal. They have movie nights where they watch horror movies or they like just investigate and do all that weird stuff. But I'll I like be it. getting no, it's more good. into that. 
The weirdos have changed to investigating the girl in the mask. Well, two of the three weirdos are gung-ho about this idea, while the other one is a little wary of what they might be stepping into. They consider this girl almost like a cryptid and have nicknamed her Skull Girl. As all Westerton South extracurriculars have to report to Principal Maccabee on their activities, Maccabee has been wary of the weirdos' new target. He has forbidden them from moving in on their hunt for the girl in the mask. As for all he knows, she should she could be some dangerous criminal. But alas, curiosity is a powerful motivator. Unbeknownst to Maccabee, the three members have been lying about going back to ghost hunting and horror movie nights, and have been making plans to traverse into the darkly forest based on Skullgirl sightings. One of the members believe believes that the Skullgirl could be connected to the mysterious house in the woods that her grandma wrote about long ago. So we will start with the three kids heading to the woods to uncover the mystery of the Skull Girl in the mysterious house of Darkly Woods. But let's dig in a little bit. The Club of Weirdos, Samantha Burke, Alex Newer, and Regina Reggie Maruka. Three childhood friends who grew up together in the town of Westerton. Alex and Reggie grew up as next-door neighbors and would play together every day until the sun went down. Eventually, when it was time for them to go to elementary school, down the street, the pretty Samantha Burke moved in. The three of them stuck together like a mouse in a glue trap. Well, there might have been a better way to say that, but you get the point. Through middle school, they stuck together as they became more and more interested in weird things, uh, weird goings-ons of Westerton, Ohio. They began to read books on the supernatural, watch documentaries, and then eventually watch horror movies. But things changed when Alex's mom decided to send him to Westerton North High School rather than South with his other two friends. His mom believed he would get a better education at North and get into any college through that. But still, Alex would come back to hang out with his childhood best friend Reggie and the girl he has been in love with his entire life, Samantha. The three of them decided to form a club, the Weirdos, based on the mean names the jocks would call Alex for not liking sports and fast cars, but instead loving the supernatural and horror. They took it upon themselves to investigate the weird, even with the chiding of their school peers, their parents, and the rest of the community. After school, Alex would leave by bike and meet Reggie and Samantha in the photo lab. They would talk and play games, then get down to the nitty-gritty of researching any new paranormal activity that popped up. They started going out to investigate during the beginning of their freshman year, and now at the end of their junior year, they have been frequenting areas where paranormal activity has been heavy. Hopefully that answered your question. Yes, it Alex did. Newer was the oldest of the group by a few months over Reggie. When he was growing up, his mom got him interested in Monster of the Week movies and TV shows. He loves movies about werewolves, vampires, swamp creatures, and the like. He and Reggie would play Monster Hunter in his backyard every day. When Samantha came around, he fell in love. She was just so sweet and pretty, but instantly got along with him and Reggie. She never judged them for their weird games or love of monsters and also became interested in the supernatural along with them. As he grew older, his mom wanted him to focus on his schoolwork and study so he could go to a good college and make something of himself. himself. What Alex really wanted to do was become a writer and write fictional accounts on all the weird supernatural sightings he had seen or read about. Alex has a passion for writing about the weird, and convinced by Reggie, the three of them started looking into the supernatural so they could see monsters and experience the supernatural themselves. Alex is in love with the idea of finding their very own monster, and has taken up photography along with his writing. 
The three of them hope to document a real paranormal event and not just take blurry photos of what they think could be orbs of light. Samantha Burke was the youngest of the group. When she moved to Westerton at the age of five, she was afraid she would never make friends and be alone forever. Then she saw two kids playing on their backyard playset, yelling about catching monsters, and she took a leap to make friends. They hit it off instantly and have been inseparable ever since. But her parents were worried about her. They always were concerned about the appearance of being normal. And they didn't think Reggie Maruka, who was obsessed with the supernatural, and Alex Neuer, the storyteller, were quite normal. They wanted Samantha to play sports and maybe cheerlead, anything so she would stop being made fun of for being so weird. Samantha decided to rebel in her own way. Instead of sports and cheerleading, she became president of the chess club and joined the speech team. She won art competitions by drawing pictures of monsters to accompany Alex's horror stories. When high school rolled around, her parents were afraid all of their efforts to raise a normal child were lost. The three of them constantly butted heads, but deep down, Samantha was afraid they might be right. With talks of going on supernatural hunts and finding a real monster, Samantha was with no doubt kind of scared. What if the supernatural and the monsters were real like Reggie believed? Would all this be worth it? Samantha noticed the looks the other girls gave her. She always thought it was because they were jealous of her looks or confidence, but now in high school, she realized they were judging her for not being like them. She was weird, and so were Reggie and Alex, and she just realized it in her junior year. Would monster hunting lead to her just dying and only being known as the weird kid who was a disappointment to her parents? But no matter what she decides, either continuing to hunt the paranormal or trying to lead a more normal life, Samantha will always have an undying love for her friends. And that's the end of my first part. I like it. Ah! I, I am enjoying dun, all of your dun. characters. Yeah, man. I'm going for the gold. I want this, Cody. I want this bad. Well, no, and you did answer, like 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 I said last time, I think my main question with your setting was just like, why, why are these kids going to be with? Um, skull girl yeah right yeah. who i think you gave a name to but i forgot yeah um, you'll get her name it's not like i'm just going to not tell you about this girl <laughs> right but sorry excuse me um but that was kind of my main question so i think that that's a really good answer for it though yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i'm really really if people can see like this giant smile i have on my face the fact that i'm like bouncing around just because i'm so excited about this idea I really wish I really wish we just had like a live stream sometimes. <laughs> but anyways, your turn. All right. So generally my radio drama would be a unfortunately cuz we kind of did the same thing a little bit. It's a supernatural um detective story that would be called The Professor Investigators. Um it's set in a fantasy world loosely based on france i very loosely um where like they are getting electricity but do not have internal combustion or gunpowder um so that's just kind of the general setting and then the reason it's gonna sorry go ahead sorry quick space i'm writing notes just so i can remember what you say but i almost spelled france with a ph <laughs> France. France. It's like oh, it's like a P H R A N C. Like, what did I just write? So the three main characters are professors that work in a university together that 
investigate paranormal things together. And the first radio drama would be their first case together. Um, but going to introduce them first. So our main character would be Vivian Duran. Vivian Duran grew up in a small rustic farming town far away from the capital city um, and eventually becomes a published professor in the field of anachronistic mythology. Um, as a person, she is brilliant, but not always in a way that makes her easy to get along with. She had her first experience with the supernatural at a very young age. She met a great fairy of the forest, an ancient and powerful being that took an interest in the little girl that would climb trees and read books and then go on adventures of her own making. Sometimes she would drag friends along with her to find dragons or swim with mermaids. All of these were imaginary, of course, but they were real enough for Vivian. But one day, Vivian did actually meet something supernatural and strange. However, no one would ever believe her. Uh, except maybe her brother, her twin brother, Ruben, and her friend, Deja. But it became an obsession that fueled the rest of her life. It's why she ended up becoming a professor of anachronistic mythology. Um, this once cheerful girl became far more brusque. She was not rude, but she really just stopped having patience for fools. People did not want to believe her. People did not care about the information she learned. People did not care about the supernatural. That became not much of a problem for her. She didn't much care for other people. This meant by the time Vivian was an adult, Ruben and Deja were her closest and really only friends. Given all of their academic leanings, they all eventually went to study at a university and eventually work there in the capital city called Alibor, which we talked about last time. Vivian is slow to trust anyone that she has not known for a really long time, since growing up, everyone has considered her to be a liar because she made up these stories about meeting fairies. Um, so now she really only trusts these couple of close friends that she has. Currently, Vivian is stuck in a really complicated situation. She wants to loosen the respectable appearance she has cultivated for herself and delve into the unknown wilds again like she did when she was a kid and try to consort with the supernatural. However, being a proper academic lets her make a living studying the supernatural at a distance. <laughs> She's trying to be content um, to treat anachronistic mythology like some kind of ancient fiction, which is not how she views it, instead of trying to live it out in the field. Oops, sorry. In general, her appearance is always very dignified and proper, yep. but this is something that she affected later in life. She learned quickly that looking distinguished gives weight to the truth, but it's an armor that she wears and does not like. As a child, she was scraped and filthy and almost always armed with a homemade spear or a pocket knife, or anything else that might defend her from the local wildlife and the local supernatural life. She's basically backwards Bilbo. I thought that was a solid line, and the face you're making is so angry. <laughs> I would say pained more than anger. <laughs> um, our next uh, professor investigator would be Ruben Durand. Uh, his appearance is dignified and always proper. After all, formal dress formal dress gives weight to truths you speak, and everyone knows that. <laughs> but really, Ruben though, is, you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and Ruben's just comfortable with that. Uh, like, he is most comfortable when his clothes are tucked in and ironed and pressed. He is a man of consistency and ritual. So he also grew up similar to his twin sister Vivian um, out in a more rural area. He's a lot less frantic than his sister and more of a perfectionist, which makes him ideal for a university setting. Yeah. Uh, Ruben was often overlooked and kind of forgotten. He's always been very quiet, 
but that lent him to have a gravity to his words. Whenever he said something, he made sure it was correct and meant them when he said them. Generally, he's very unemotive and calm. But Ruben is most often kind of a beleaguered sigh of a person. His He has a happy place, and it's a comfortable chair reading some nonfiction that he can parse through and examine. But growing up, his sister would always drag him into the woods to go on these made-up adventures that could never possibly happen. Vivian was always the reason that Ruben got into trouble, and it was kind of assumed that he would be the responsible one of the <laughs> two and get them out of trouble. But the truth is that Ruben was really particularly never good at getting out of scrapes. He was good at avoiding things he could see coming. Um, and he always wanted to save the day and help his sister. But in the moment, he was frequently not great. Later in life, Ruben is still trying to get his sister out of trouble, um, but still not always successful. More often than not, though, Ruben is constantly being given books that he absolutely must read, <laughs> according to Vivian. She digs up these books about ghost sightings or the legal proceedings of fairies and gives them to Ruben to review. Can she ever publish any bo- anything about these books? Absolutely not. But Ruben loves his sister and with a sigh, reads and provides detailed notes on the latest madness that she digs up. Ruben is generally well-liked and is oft- and is not often abused since he stayed out of the line li- limelight. He was not really bullied, simply content to keep to himself. This means generally he sees the best in people. He's also usually impressed with Vivian's tenacity and willingness to take risks. He respects her, even though he lives a very different life. Um, when If things were ever to get dangerous, Ruben would be the first one to want to retreat and make a plan based on a strategy that he could derive from previous precedent. Ruben is only as useful as he is able to plan. Tell him to slay a dragon, he'll have a detailed list of what to do. <laughs> but if a cat gets the drop on him, he's useless. <laughs> oh, I like that. All right. That was Our awesome. final um, professor is Deja Couture. I love that um, name. It's a really good name. I also am not sure, and like, I'm using they throughout this, yeah. but my thought on the character is not necessarily for them to be non-binary. It is that at this moment... You don't know what they are th- right now. I don't know. <laughs> um, it kind of depends more on who we... Yeah. If we were to do this, who we would cast yeah. as this person. That's that's who this person is. Um, Deja grew up as a uh, uh, the child of a laborer as such... Their clothes were primarily practical and often dirty and shabby. But Deja was always more shabby and more dirty than seemed necessary. They have never been concerned with their clothes. Now, as an adult, the same is true. There is a proper way to wear most things, and Deja is never doing it. A longtime family friend of the Durans, their parents owned and operated a grain mill. Deja spent much of their time lazy. Instead of working hard hauling grain to the mill... They would devise complicated contraptions to do the work for them. Deja was loud, poorly spoken, and often thought of as brutish, but at the same time, very very self-deprecating, often glossing over truly brilliant innovations. Growing up, it was really an unlikely friendship. Granted, they were all academically inclined and magnetized towards university eventually, but Deja was always far more physical and did not have a great deal of love for books. This meant early on, they struggled a lot in school. Yes. 
It was Vivian's constant annoyance at the suggestion that Deja was unintelligent that pushed them to pursue creative endeavors and further their education. Once in higher education, they became kind of the opposite of how Vivian is treated by the institution. Everyone wants Deja to leave, but they're way too good at what they do to ever be fired. Currently, the thing that is in the most vogue are these great new mechanical and electrical discoveries, um, a lot of which are coming from Deja, which means articles and interviews and publicity for the university. However, Deja's usually very formal and effete students find their language, harsh manners, and poor dress very disruptive. So the institution would love to get rid of Deja, but they're just too darn good at their job, <laughs> which is the opposite of Vivian, where the institution technically would like Vivian on paper, but they Vivian just does not study anything real, according you know to like common thought, which is that the supernatural doesn't exist. Um, Deja is the type of person that can dismiss a personal slight pretty readily, but does not appreciate ones against their friends. Um, all right. So those are our three main characters are these three professors that work together. The rest of them are kind of like brief descriptions of the other characters that would have spoken lines. So, (laughs) Oh, I would say like minor and supporting um, characters. um, Extras. Yes. Yeah. These are like people that are needed for the plot. It's just, they're not like hugely important. Um, There's Dean Farrow. He's Vivian's Dean. He is a stern and fatherly man, kind at heart, but that doesn't go on forever. Kind of an old blowhard. Um, there's Lady Lambert, a true aristocrat in all the best and worst ways. She is wealthy and powerful and knows it. She does not like asking for help and expects to get her way when she does ask. There's uh, Mr. Lambert. He is aloof and disinterested in most things. He's very focused on his work and company. He believes he has a total understanding of the world and everything in it. This makes him confident, but also arrogant and self-righteous. There's the Mayor of Shadows, loyal to a fault to the witch that commands him. The Mayor of Shadows is cruel and shrewd. He is adept when set to a task and takes joy in causing fear and heartache. Do you say mayor or mayor? Um, Mayor as in horse. So so literal dark horse. Um, Yes, a literal dark horse. (laughs) Kind of. Although... Technically, the Mayor of Shadows is not a horse. I guess I can give a visual description of the Mayor of Shadows. It's a goblin with horse hooves. Um, I was, but- I, was ho- I was hoping it was just a dark horse, just like it's evil horse. Just, just every scene you have, like I'm just imagining no. the movie this happens. And it's like every scene where like the evil guy is planning his thing. It's just this horse, which is a really deep voice. I am the Mayor of Shadows, and you shall follow me into darkness. <laughs> but anyways. no the mayor of shadows is kind of like a shorter creature with a kind of wicked and twisted face horse hooves you know yes he's a mayor of shadows yes i get it Cody. creepy looking so the horse the sorry the mayor of shadows <laughs> the horse of shadows the mayor of shadows may not be evil but they are certainly malicious and then we have the mayor of shadows is just like my favorite concept in this so far. Just, just like you have these people who are looking in this this evil goblin guy who's like he's just just around, and I just still imagine just super deep voice. The last character we have is Yvette, also the witch. a really good name. 
You have right. really good names, good names, in, names this. in this. Deja and Yvette. Yes. Yep. Yes. Hence vaguely French. Um, she is a presence of will and focus on her domain. She is the queen of wherever she has set up residence. Her rule is absolute and punishments are guaranteed if she is slighted. She might seem odd or eccentric, but she lives by her own rules and demands respect. And these are all of the characters I, in my audio drama. I'm really happy with your characters. I hate this that I like this, but <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk at the end of this. We'll talk at the end of this. I, no, I like your characters, your characterizations. Um, I'm interested to see your setting set up. I think that's really what's going to depend on if we do yours as setting and setup and all that. Well, you're, you gave the setup, your actual setting of what story's going to be. Yeah. But yeah, no, 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 I like it. Didn't have to make those noises, but I like it. Uh, Marish, I am the Marrow Shadows. Anyways, okay. Part two. Regina Reggie Maruka. There is so much to say about old Reggie. She has an undying confidence and a loud personality. She isn't afraid of much, and not even the horror movies. While Samantha cowers and Alex pretends to be cool for Samantha, Reggie faces each horror without fear. She, of course, like all people, has internal self-doubt and really at times wonder, wonders who she truly is, but Reggie likes to drown that out completely with her love of the supernatural. Why worry yourself when you have the supernatural to investigate? In the Club of the Weirdos, Alex is the writer and photographer, Samantha is just along for the ride, but Reggie, Reggie considers herself the leader. She is also extremely insightful and knows that Alex loves Sam and that Sam struggles with the idea of being seen as normal. Because the other two have their own personal battles, she is the one truly deep diving and investigating the internet forums and other places to find the truth. Recently, she has become obsessed with something new, the girl in the skull mask. The first real hints at the paranormal. Skull Girl has a true connection to every single paranormal sighting in the last two years. But really, what's her deal? Who is she, and why is she always caught lurking around a paranormal sighting? This could be the key to finding if the realm of the supernatural is real. Reggie is completely obsessed with finding Skull Girl, but doesn't let on how deep that goes to her friends. But then there is something else. Reggie's family has always been supportive of her, they like the idea that she has friends all she has friends over all the time to watch movies and and they like how she takes charge to explore something that interests her. Her family has always been interested in the supernatural, especially her grandma. Grandma Maruka lived with the rest of the family for some time, and as Reggie grew up, she would always tell her stories of the weird house with many doors and sightings of supernatural monsters. But of course, Reggie thought these were all exaggerated stories a grandma tells her granddaughter in order to strike all in excitement. When Grandma Maruka died, she left Reggie a book, and upon investigation, Reggie found that the book was a journal. This journal detailed several monster sightings in a house with many doors. Turns out, Grandma Maruka, when she was a child, used to be friends with a young man named Dorister Darkley, who claimed his job was to send supernatural monsters that hid amongst Westerton back to their original worlds. The rest of the notes were illegible, but Reggie took this as the first step to finding out the mystery of Skullgirl and the paranormal sightings in Westerton. She has been working on convincing the other two into sneaking out to Darkley Woods sometime to investigate. Hopefully, with time, she can wear them down. That isn't everyone, though. There is still one more. 
Elizabeth Rose Darkly, the Skull Girl. She, like most members of the Darkly family, has taken it upon herself to fight monsters and protect the town of Westerton, Ohio. It's extremely dangerous to take care of the supernatural beings that come through the broken portals throughout Westerton, so Beth Darkly keeps to herself. She doesn't have any friends, not out of lack of social skills, but she wants to protect every citizen of Westerton. Having friends would just put others in danger. So if that means she has to do it completely alone, she will. Like most members of the Darkly family, Beth is a practitioner of planar magics. It is how she gets from place to place usually without being seen. Just jump in a parallel plane unseen to humans, then pop out where she needs to be. She can't help being caught by camera sometimes, so she just deals with it, making sure to get on the online forums and be specifically misleading about her true nature. With her control of planar magics, she can track when and where portal a portal will open, and most times which plane it is opening from. Though, because she is still only human, she needs to sleep and sometimes misses when a monster comes through the portal. With this, she has used magics to adjust her eyes so that she can pick up on any visual marks left by the monsters she hunts. But this has of course turned her eyes purple, so she wears tinted glasses to help distract away from her eyes. She tries to sneak, but her red hair usually stands out. Of course, still following what her grandpa believed, education is important to growth. Beth attends Lawson Community College occasionally and picks up on some classes that she needs. She still keeps to herself, and if anyone approaches her with the idea of friendship, she shuts it down with a perceived abrasive personality. But that's not who she truly is. She cares deeply about Westerton and wants to keep people safe. She would love friends, but that would complicate things. Beth is lonely and has been alone for quite some time. Her grandfather, Dorister Darkly, raised her mostly. Not because her parents died in any tragic accident or anything like that. No. Beth's parents were vapid individuals, not really interested in the fighting monsters part of being in the Darkly family, but more interested in the Darkly family fortune. Sadly, Beth's parents didn't have much to do with raising Beth. Instead, they were just waiting for Doris or Darkly to die so they could claim their inheritance. But Doris or Darkly raised Beth to be strong to be smart, to be clever, and to be kind. He taught her to love Westerton and how to protect the people from monsters. Most would look at this as a bad thing, but she was creating weapons and going on hunts with Dorister at a young age. She vowed that she would take on the role as protector of Westerton when Dorister passed. When the day that Beth's parents were waiting for finally came and Dorister passed, they were disappointed to find that he left not one penny in, of his fortune to them, but everything to Beth, who had just turned 18. She got the house, the Darkly fortune, and the role of Westerton Protector passed on to her. Her parents were furious. If they could not have the Darkly family fortune, then there was no reason for them to stay in Westerton. So they left. They left poor Beth alone to fight monsters and grow up all by herself. She hasn't heard from them since and has been fending for herself all alone. She is extremely lonely, but makes up for her loneliness in being the absolute perfect monster hunter. Now, Beth is 20, and hunting monsters on her own is getting to be a bit taxing. But she pushes forward with her goal of protecting Westerton. Usually, the portals open one at a time, and she tracks them. She has about a week to find the monster and bring it back to the House of Many Doors before the next portal opens. 
Doing it alone, she sometimes cuts it close to the next opening, but her goal is to fight one monster at a time as taking on two would be near impossible for one person. While the weirdos are hunting her, Beth Darkly has been hunting a new creature. It slipped into Westerton while she was sleeping and has been wreaking havoc on the wildlife. Luckily, wildlife is more prevalent around the south side of Westerton, so that narrows things down a bit. It seems like it could be one of the wolf beasts from the Shadow World, meaning silver bullets will have to do. So, looks like she will be melting down silver this week in order to have ammunition for the hunt. She will have to dust off Dorster's old rifle, the Executioner, which she trained on. Dorster had taught her to be, the, to be an excellent shot. Walking around Westerton with a rifle will raise eyebrows, but she can just use her pocket... Sorry, her portal pocket wallet, which acts pretty much as a bag of holding. She is ready for the hunt of the wolf beast. Hopefully, she will be able to capture and kill it by the time the next portal opens. But with all of the preparation, it will be a close one. With the weirdos closing in on Beth and Beth closing in on the monster, things might get a little bit complicated. But maybe soon, we will find out how the story unfolds. And that's my world, setting, and characters. I have a question that I don't think really matters very much, but I'm just curious about yes. it now. She's descended from like magicians, yeah. right? Or like wizards. Magicians. Can she, d does her family still use magic? She, her parents didn't, but her grandpa did. And she does, I'd say, use the planar magics. And that's how she jumps around without being seen most of the time. Okay. I didn't know to like, I don't know if that's like a spoiler to like what extent she can do magic or um, whatever. But there will be curious. more, but like, yeah, she, she can use magic to jump around to the different portals in her eyes. She can see um, different trackings of the, um, the monsters and see um, where the portals open and close. Gotcha. Um, all right, ready for my setting? No. Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. So these are all the different places that scenes would take place in the audio drama, yes. right? So there's the city at large, Alibor, Metropolis of Progress. Um, the city is majestic and massive, growing ever higher to the sky as new and stronger materials become available. There is no true capital of the world, but Alibor is the closest thing. Stunning expositions of new near-magical inventions are common in the city. Crowds of fascinated viewers hear music recorded on hard wax and see pictures projected with lights. Each day, new creations are shown that promise to change life for everybody and make the memory of the past even more distant. But Alibor is a city with ancient bones. History may seem distant now, but... New restaurants are being opened in buildings that are hundreds of years old. Factories are built on sites that were once thought haunted or sacred. What is this, New Orleans? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Anyways, the people may have forgotten about Alibor's past, but the past is still there. Underground and down dark alleys, the fairies have found their home. In new, untamed lands. High buildings have created a new wilderness where the supernatural still rules. Um, so the idea here is that Alibor is built on the remains of itself and it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old and used to be host to many supernatural creatures. People might think that they're not there anymore, but they still are and they still claim parts of the city as their own. Um, 
it's just now humanity is to content to pretend like, no, nah, we've moved past such stupid and mm-hmm. like passe things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then there's the Swan Institute. This is the university where the professor investigators work. Um, this is the newest large-scale construction project in Alibor. The university was built on the largest piece of ground they could find. Uh, the university itself is meant to be an architectural wonder, carefully built to be the perfect combination of flowing landscaping leading into buildings designed to allow the pursuit of thought. When walking through the Institute, you can smell the aromas of espresso wafting from cafes where music is either being played live or, more recently, off records. Brilliant minds picnic on manicured lawns. Every overheard conversation is a lofty, intense debate between the best and the brightest, and every smash and clang the music of innovation. Interesting. We have the Lambert Manor. A lavish structure for only, for the two people that live there. This is an ancestral home, but it's not as old as they want to pretend it is. The Lamberts want to have a home that speaks of old money and distinction, but their home is more speaking of the excessive ornamentation that comes with bored wealth. This will be the setting of the professor investigator's first case. Something is amiss in this once quiet and affluent home. The night of the investigation will be a stormy one. The air um, dense with the giddy pressure caused by thunder, lightning, and howling winds. The home itself should be a safe harbor from the weather, but inside there is a darker and heavier presence, one of dread and worry. The damp smell of rain pervades through a sweltering and shadowy house. And the last uh, setting will be the cottage. Far deep under the Lambert factory, under a twisted nest of electrical wires and sweating, searing pipes, is the cottage of a witch. Um, That is what she calls it anyways. It's not literally a rustic wooden building, but rather the access tunnels, closets, and service service hatches that the witch rules as her domain. Interesting. Oh, that's That's my setting. So... Yep, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of locations. Right. So what really what is the story that will be taking place, I guess is what I'm wondering. Well, do we wanna like how spoilery do you want do you want me to give you, can, you like you the, can... the kickoff intro? Yes, actually, yeah. I think that'll be good. Okay. So the story of how the prof- this is kind of like an origin story for the professor investigators. Yeah. Um so these are three old friends that work at this university together now, known each other since childhood. Vivian is kind of on bad terms with the institution that she works at. She likes working there, but her area of study, anachronistic mythology, is passe. No one cares about it, and it brings nothing to the university. It's like she has four students, and one of them's thinking about quitting, and no one's publishing her works, and no one's reading her works. So everyone knows she's clever and really bookish and good at what she does, but she's also kind of like snippy and rude. (laughs) And so like she doesn't have a lot of friends there. She's very smart and no one's taking her classes. (laughs) So it's not looking good for her. Jesus. So the story starts with the Dean coming and being like, Hey, look like you're done. If you don't do something like you have to either do something impressive, have a class someone cares about, but you're like on your way out. Um, at the same time as this, Lady Lambert comes to her office because she's the only person in the city who is making a study of the supernatural. 
complaining of nightmares that she cannot get to stop and that she doesn't know what the cause of is. It's just all of a sudden she is waking up constantly horrified. She is having terrible visions to the point where she is like worried she is going to die either due to lack of sleep or like a heart attack because she's just so stressed and under pressure. Um, So in desperation for anything that might save her job, Vivian, you know, uh, puts together a team of her friends and goes and tries to save a rich lady because the alternative is getting fired. Interesting. Okay. I'm down. I'm down for it. My my idea with this is I want a story that does not have massive stakes at first. It's a very personal story. It's mostly about Vivian trying to save yes. her job. And failure does not mean that the city gets burnt to the ground. It means that Vivian's out of a job. Okay. Um, but yeah, that is my story. Interesting. Again, I will say interesting. So, Cody, did we make the decision now or did we talk it off? Do we talk it out now? Do we talk it out off air? What are we, what are we doing? I definitely don't think we talk it out now because I feel like that conversation could go on for a long time. I think we talk about it off air and then maybe next week we we tell everyone okay. what we're doing. We like make an announcement very, next week in our fun episode. Because as always, I like you a lot and I like your storytelling. I like hearing your stories, but I also like my idea and I like hearing my, and I wanted the chance to, like I said in the thing, I want the chance to shine, but I also love your ideas as always because you always do a good well, job and I hate that about you. Yeah, no, I mean, I think we both have solid ideas. Um, but, so I'm like excited for whatever we end up doing. Cause I don't think there's a wrong. Yeah, I decision also to like make. how we did something. They're very similar. So either way I'll be getting to do a they supernatural are. group of three friends who investigate something. They are unfortunately I mean, similar, but that's, especially that's nice because, because I did not like, think they were going even to Even if be. you don't choose mine, I get still get to do it in an idea that I really like because it's something that I like writing, which is supernatural running arounds. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm the same. I mean, there's a reason why I, I picked this one. Like the kind of radio dramas that this is like vaguely inspired by would be like, what is it called? Oh, Beyond Belief, which is funny, but also about like mediums in, in like the twenties. Um, which if you ever if you ever want to listen to the thrilling adventure hour, it's great. Um, that or like The Shadow the was Shadow a radio so drama good. I listened to. So, you know, that's kind of the, the whistler. The thought that I want to go for. But yeah, Jordan, I think I think we're done. I think this <laughs> that, is a that was, conversation yeah, you, that now yeah, has to happen to, off air. We got to get off and hash this out. This is gonna be a fun conversation. I look yeah. I part of me wants to record it, but the other part of me doesn't. But anyways, Cody, next week we're gonna do something fun. Something it's, fun. It's not gonna be a random real world. We might do a um world just off the top of our heads. We might like find some sort of like game or create some sort of game that we do. I also like the idea of doing an exquisite corpse off the top of our head world where I come up with something, you come up with something, and we make – yeah, we'll, we'll talk. Yeah, oh, exquis- yeah. Exquisite corpse thing where, like, I do geography, you do, like, the second section, I do history, you do current, or whoever rolls first gets to do whatever. I like that idea, too. Right. We'll figure out something. Next week's just going to be fun so we can focus on writing and getting this audio drama together. I have a lot of time to work on this, so, Cody, be be prepared. Um, but other than that, I'm ready to go. Cody, 
what are some plugs uh check me out at the wandering gamer network we sometimes stream on twitch we're on youtube or wherever you have find you your streamed, podcast have you cody streamed recently because i know caitlin zach and mandy are all doing stuff but have you the um, man on the myth the legend so the way it works like the four of us share a twitch yes, account right thank you for and we all stream on it sorry keep going <laughs> but um <laughs> We record and stream on the same night um, with each other, so that means only one set of us can stream at once, Um, and it was determined that the game I am recording right now is boring and should not be streamed. What game so are you no, recording right I'm now? Not are you doing streaming Darkest Dungeon? Right or? No, Kerbal Space Program. That's why. Okay. Yeah, and it was the the thing that we did is I sat down with someone that had never played Kerbal before, and we got to orbit, okay. and it was determined I, that asleep. that was boring. Already, <laughs> holy crap, that was so boring that you yeah. almost made me sleep on the show. Also, I forgot to it, mention before it we might started, have been... I started playing Darkest Dungeon before my power went out. Haven't gone back to it since because I haven't been home. But I enjoy Darkest Dungeon. It's it's good. It's, it's it, real good. It, it is really good, even though I'm so bad at it. It is really good. Anyways, my plugs. You can check me out at something I get zero zero at twitch.tv. You can also check out my second podcast, the Side Characters Podcast, on Podbean, and I will be posting links and sharing it on our Twitter as always. But yeah, I've gotten a lot of good feedback from the side characters, which makes me so happy because so many people are like, yes, it's a really good podcast, and you guys have some like you're doing some great things. So please check it out. I've been having a lot of fun with it. Lee and I have been just hashing it out every week. And soon we're going to be doing a episode about horror tropes. And I'm really excited about that. Anyways, we will catch you on the flip side after we talk for probably the next three hours about whose world we're going to do. Anyways, catch you on the flip side. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.